Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For the PFT Live radio show on NBC Sports Radio goes away after today, but it doesn't matter. If you're watching on NBCSN, we're still going to be here. If you're listening on Sirius XM 211, we're still going to be there. If you're listening on TuneIn, we're still going to be there. If you're listening to the podcast, we're still going to be there. If you're streaming at NBCSports.com, we're still going to be there. We're still here, Chris. We're still here. We're still here. We're still here. We're still here. We are still here, although Chris isn't. We have a minor technical difficulty just as we're going on the air. The first day that it's not a radio simulcast, anything that can go wrong will go wrong from time to time, but we'll have Chris Sims with us. Good morning. It's a Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. This was the first morning for me that I was working since January 5 of 2015 that I didn't get ha- have to get up at 5 a.m. So I got up at 4 a.m. instead. That's just kind of how it goes, isn't it? Wide awake at 4 a.m. and nothing to do until 7 because as of today, we are TV primarily. I'm not going to say TV only, but the show is now TV primarily. You can hear us on Sirius XM 211 in the Sirius XM app. You can hear us on TuneIn, but you can watch us on NBCSN. And there he is. Christopher David Sims in all of his glory with those two companion twin sons hovering over his shoulder in the background. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? You doing all right in your new routine? You settling in? I heard you telling people you woke up earlier. Yeah. Well, you're a psycho. I don't know what else to say. You have issues. We know this. So, yeah, you can sleep in for the first time in a while. You wake up earlier. That's the way you are. Mike Florio backwards fighting against sleep. Let me just say this, though, because these are strange and unusual times, and for a lot of us, it is affecting our sleep pattern. How can it not? Yesterday, the the, the daily briefing on the COVID-19 situation, as grim as it's ever been, we're not here for that. We're here to provide you with a diversion and a distraction, but I will say this. Anybody out there is having a hard time, if you just want to bend my ear, florio at profootballtalk.com. I threw that out on Twitter last night, and I got more responses than I probably bargained for, but it's amazing to me 
the cross-section of society that this is affecting, the issues that people are dealing with. And I think it helps to just have somebody that just the act of typing it up is cathartic. Even if I don't read it, although I'm trying to read every single one of them and respond to every single one of them, do that. Florio at ProFootballTalk.com. I'm going to carve out time throughout the day because, uh, look, these are crazy upside-down times. We've never experienced anything like this. Chris, you haven't, I haven't, no one has, and we're just kind of trying to make it up as we go along, which we're used to because that's pretty much what we do on air every day. We make it up as we go along. Yeah, that's right, but I'm not used to this way of life. You're right. I feel like I'm maybe just settling in now. But, you know, hey, you've been great as far as being a role model, saying the proper things there. And the one thing I've found is, listen, don't don't hold your feelings in. You know, I've told my wife when I'm going stir crazy or I'm frustrated or I feel like I'm out of my routine. And, you know, it, it feels good just to say it. It gets it off your chest. So, uh, hey, we're here. We got some football to talk about today. Hopefully we can take everybody's mind off it and, and have some fun for a little bit. Let me just say one last thing here, though, because you, you made yeah. a great point. We, we are settling into a routine, but you can't get complacent. See, it can't feel like a routine. You still have to wash your hands 20 to 30 times a day. So because I, I caught myself yesterday like, OK, I'm kind of adjusting to this new normal, but you still got to wash your hands all the time. You can't relax at any point. You can't have a lapse at any point. So please, people, as you adjust to this new reality, do not get complacent about the things that you need to do to protect yourself and your family members. All right. You know, we would be in Florida right now under a normal scenario reacting to all of the things that were done on Tuesday at the annual meetings. One of the things that was done on Tuesday at the league meetings, expansion of the playoffs. We'll talk about that coming up. But most importantly, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the big questions for the National Football League Will the league start on time? Will the games be played? Will they be playing in full stadiums? It's inconceivable at this point, Chris, that it could happen. But NFL General Counsel Jeff Pash on a conference call held with several media members yesterday afternoon, he was resolute. He was determined. Now, the caveat is we're planning. That's our expectation. We're going to have a full season, 16 games, full stadiums, that's our plan. He cited some modeling that was done for the ownership group regarding where the pandemic is heading and where it will be in the fall. It feels optimistic to me, and I hope that behind that optimism, there is hard planning for all contingencies in the event that you can't have a full season. But I was stunned by how calm and resolute Jeff Pash was in delivering his expectation and the league's expectation that a full 16 season, a 16 game season will be played as scheduled in full stadiums. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm with you too. There doesn't seem to be any wavering from NFL leadership that, you know, anything else is going different. We hear little, you know, rumors here and there, but for the, for the, the most part, it's steadfast on the normal off season NFL schedule. And Hey, I understand that hey, compared to, Major League Baseball, hockey, basketball. Hey, the NFL can continue business as is for the most part right now because they're not entertaining. We're not playing our sport. It's off-season stuff. It's still a schedule that we can get away with get, getting accomplished in the NFL, you know, at home or via Skype or Zoom or FaceTime, whatever it may be. And also, you know, these owners, they have proof in the pudding too that, you know, we had a we had a no offseason. What was that? The 2011 offseason, Mike? Okay. Yep. Well, football went on that next year and everybody watched it and it was a really exciting season. So, 
you know, to me, those are things, you know, that I think the NFL is looking at right now. But, you know, I, I'm with you a little bit. Is this realistic? I mean, I just don't know. As it sits here right now, I have a hard time thinking we're going to get in at least a full preseason and a full NFL season uh, right off the bat. I don't, maybe that changes in the next month or two, but I don't see it happening right now. I almost feel like they've decided to take the position that they're not going to show any wavering, any hesitation, any pessimism regarding the plan to go forward with a full season, essentially trying to speak a full season into existence by just saying every step of the way, we plan to do it, we plan to do it. And that's fine as long as you have contingency plans that you're not sharing with everyone. Have a worst-case scenario. Have every scenario mapped out. I've been arguing this for the past week, Chris. One of the reasons I threw out an admittedly goofy idea of taking everyone to some isolated area and playing the season there in a series of practice fields in a giant dormitory where all the players and coaches and all necessary personnel would be, that was put out there just to rattle the cage to make sure that people are thinking about what happens if we can't play a full season what happens if some cities can have full stadiums some cities have empty stadiums all of the what-ifs need to be identified and basically every date on the calendar needs to be assessed if we can't get back to normal until this day what happens if we can't get back to normal until this day what happens and I hope that behind that very calm facade that we saw yesterday from Jeff Pash we plan to go forward it's almost like there's nothing going on I mean that was the irony of it on the same day that we got the gravest assessment yet from the daily press briefing from the White House. That's the day that we just got a sense of nonchalance from the NFL. And I don't want to say nonchalance, but I kind of do, because that's kind of how it felt. It was kind of well, yeah. like, wait a, wait a minute. Like, as I was hearing him explain it, it's like, wait a minute, this is kind of a big deal. Like, and, and I know how fast the offseason goes. April becomes, May becomes, June becomes training camp. And it's here before you know it. And, and maybe they're privy to some information that the rest of us aren't. And if so, good. Because it sounds like they're getting pretty good information. And that's my big takeaway, Chris. The best news of having a full football season in full stadiums, beginning as scheduled Thursday, September 10, when we be in Kansas City for the Chiefs to hang their banner and start their title defense. The fact that they're able to do it is the best news, because that would mean that great progress has been made in fighting this horrible disease. Well, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the, the leadership coming from the NFL, is, it's not my favorite. I can't lie about that. You know, again, it, it seems right now that, hey, we're just going to embark on our normal course here. Nothing's going to stop us. It doesn't matter. We're the NFL. We're the money-making machine. That's what we do. Hey, it's great right now. We don't need practice. You know, we're getting a lot of work done. We're the only show in town as far as what people are talking about. They're talking about draft stuff, free agency stuff. So that's great. You know, but yes, lack of leadership at time, again, the commissioner works for the 32 owners. It's not always in the best interest of everybody involved in the league. He's more worried about pleasing his 32 guys. And that to me is where, you know, it gets lost in translation sometimes about lack of leadership. So that bothers me. And then, Mike, let me bring up this point, too. You know, as we sit right now, it sounds like we're not going to get a vaccine or anything like that for, you know, 12. What are they saying now? 12, 18 months from now still? Is that still the timeline? Uh, I've heard but 14 roughly, months, but you're in the range. You're in the range. Right. Yes. In the range. OK, so we're going to go with the NFL season as is. I mean, OK, now it's week three. Somebody in the Dallas Cowboys gets COVID-19 in the locker room. I know what are, what are we going to do? Not not this the Cowboys aren't going to play or we're we just going to say screw it. Hey team, 
sorry, we're a team. We're all getting COVID-19 together. I mean, so that, that to me is where I just don't know how you can plan as is right now in the NFL when the world might throw you a curveball, a team a curveball, a player a curveball. What if Tom Brady got COVID-19? Knock on wood, I don't want that to happen, Mr. Brady. But what if he did? I mean, that to me is just the, the things that the NFL has to start spitballing and where we're going to go with this. And, and here's the, the, the bigger reality. The COVID-19 is the illness that is manifested by the coronavirus. You can test positive for the virus and be asymptomatic. Right. What do you do with a guy right. who's perfectly healthy? Think about that. Right. Perfectly healthy. But he's tested positive for the coronavirus, so he can't play for two weeks. So all of a sudden, Tom Brady is gone for two weeks. Even though he's fine, it's not affecting him in a negative way at all. He's not allowed to play until he's coronavirus negative. Now, I think the hope is, Chris, by September, there will be quick and easy ways to test, and everyone would be tested on a regular basis. There will be an antibody test, from what I've heard, before too long, where it's a quick prick of the finger, and you can find out whether or not you've already had it which would mean you're good to go in the event that someone in your locker room tests positive. So there's a lot of issues, a lot of questions. And that's the thing. This idea that I will be fine, you know, okay, will you be fine though? I mean, yeah, right. Like, what are we, what are we like? I, I mean, I think it's okay to say we may not be fine or we don't know. We're taking it one day at a time like everyone else. It just was an odd message. I understand the desire to go full speed ahead. And this is an area where, the selfish interests of the NFL make as much money as possible, and I'm a capitalist. I got no problem with that. Mesh with the idea that there is a greater good that is accomplished by playing NFL games. And I believe that. I believe that's more important. The idea that people will have that, that normalcy in their lives, that thing that we can rally around, that shared experience is going to help us from a mental health standpoint if this does continue into the fall. But the problem is if this continues into the fall, how in the hell can you play the games? So that's where it stands. And... I just, look, I'm going to continue to take a wait-and-see approach. And one thing we're going to wait and see, Chris, is the schedule release because usually yeah. it comes out before the draft. Something that was said yesterday during this conference call with reporters, May 9 at the latest is when the schedule will be out. So, I look, it's going to be after the draft. That, that never happens. Well, it's going to happen this year, and I'm fine with that. Take a little more time. Apply a little more flexibility. And also, also in this wasteland of no sports, don't don't burn off your schedule release shows a week before the draft when everybody's thinking about the draft. Hold it for a couple of weeks because it's yeah, going right. to be an even bigger deal if nothing's going on because it's already the top story when the schedules come out, even when you've got the NBA playoffs starting, the NHL playoffs starting, and the MLB season starting. It's still a big deal when we find out the when to go along with the who and the where of the 256 regular season games. Yeah, well, wh where does it go, though, Mike? I mean, okay, so we have a schedule, May 9th. That's great. You know, I, I get it, but you're right. I mean, there's what's the contingency plan going to be? You know, if, if we have two weeks gone or one city still in, in a hot spot environment to where the coronavirus is really spreading in a, in a way that they can't control it. I mean, we could still be seeing that at that time of the year to where what are we going to do? Tell teams not to go play games in that city, whatever it may be. I just think there's so many things unknown. I'm okay with the NFL, you know, acting as if it's business as normal for the most part right now. And they're going to continue to trudge ahead with the normal things they do. I understand all of that. Uh, what I don't understand is, yeah, I, I would like, or I don't, I don't need to understand it. I just wish I heard more contingency plans. I think that's the one thing that's frustrating coaches. I think coaches that I talk to around the NFL and stuff and, 
you know, I got too much time on my hands here talking to them. Yeah, they're they're frustrated with where this is going to go too. They're they're going to keep working and doing what they got to do as far as evaluating players and everything that way. But you know, I think they're concerned for their family and you know their players on their football teams too. Here as we get into training camp, just not knowing you know where we're going to be at. Is it going to be realistic to ask guys to get together a hundred guys in a locker room? Hey, coaches who are older, you might have an old offensive coordinator who has an asthma problem. Now he gets COVID-19. Whoa, that could get dangerous. So, you know, there's just so many things here yet that we just don't know about. And, uh, you know, I'm just worried. I- I'm worried that the NFL season will not be complete this year. Yeah, and I, I just – I worry that that as we start peeling the onion, some of the issues you're raising, like what if they can't play games in one state, they can play them in another state. Right, like what, right. What, who's, is, is it going to be like the Saints where you're on the road for every game That's, of the year like yes. they were in 2005? Like, And when will there be a sense of, okay, we know how this is going to go? I feel like it's going to be potentially day-to-day, week-to-week. That's why my admittedly crazy idea of taking everybody to some place in the middle of nowhere and sealing it off from the outside world – now you got to get food. I mean, you know, they'd have to get to work on the garden and the cows and the chickens and all that if they want to be self-sustaining. But they could call you know, at us some if point, they want. We can help. At, <laughs> at, at some point, you're only going to be playing games in areas that are, are safe to play games in. And will there be any areas like that? Look, and I don't want to be an alarmist. I don't want to be a pessimist. I just want to be realistic. And I don't want to all get our hopes up that they're going to be football season. And then we get to July or August and we go through right. the same stuff we went through a few weeks ago where it's like, holy crap, we were looking forward to this and now it's not going to happen. All right, uh, oh, I was just say your idea is good, though. I like your idea. I just don't know if it's realistic to lock people in one area for basically six months. I mean, we, we could put them yeah. in Area 51 and close it down and just have them I, play games there. <laughs> I, I've joked about Area 51. I mean, there are places out in the middle of nowhere. You know, the Greenbrier, a couple of hours from me, has already three practice fields for the New Orleans Saints and later the Houston Texans. Right. Only 710 rooms, though. I was doing the math with a couple of people in the NFL because there are some people with teams that are intrigued by this concept because they understand how the dominoes could fall to the point where you do have to basically remove the entire league from society in order to play the games. That has to be, if uh, short of saying we're just going to scrap the season, if they're determined to get the season in, that really is the last-ditch effort to try I to pull so. it all off is to remove the entire league from circulation and uh, test everybody on a regular basis, test everybody who's bringing in the food. I mean, it, and, and that is all premised upon having the ability to quickly and cheaply and efficiently test people, and there's a belief that that could be coming in the next several months. All right, let's take a break. More talk coming out of yesterday's ownership conference call, including – the biggest agenda item, really the only agenda item, expanding the postseason from 12 teams to 14. How will that affect Wild Card Weekend? We'll talk about that next, right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Wow, what a difference this is without a radio clock, Chris. We can barely catch our breath during the break. More content. Less breaks, people. That's what happens when it's a TV show, not a radio show. Although I really do miss my radio show already. It's oh, poor day. baby. Right. He misses his radio show. Way, way, way. Are you done? I'm you done. You want to do a little bit more? I just want to make sure you get way, out of your system. Right. Way, 
the, the playoffs have been expanded. We expected that. Look, it's baked into the new CBA. I mean, what was going to happen? The owners get together and they vote down this concession they've gotten from the players to expand the playoffs. Hell no. They've wanted to do this for years. They realized, though, five years ago, we can't do it without the agreement of the union. So let's get the agreement of the union. They got the agreement of the union, so it was perfunctory. Of course, they were going to expand the playoffs from 12 to 14. And here's how it's going to go, Chris. Six games wild card weekend, two plays seven in each conference, three plays six, four plays five, and again, a total of six games. Three will be played on Saturday. The windows will be, roughly speaking, 1 p.m., 4.30-ish p.m. Eastern and 8-ish p.m. Eastern same on Sunday as Saturday and NBC and CBS get an extra game and we get the Sunday night game Christopher and it will be telecast not just on NBC but also on Telemundo and the new Peacock streaming service that debuts later this month the answer to the other various streaming services out there with a lot of NBC content and that playoff game that Sunday night so that is going to be awesome when it happens if it happens. Right, it is. It's it is awesome. I mean, as a viewer, it's awesome. I think uh, the NFL is making great strides. You know, to let Telemundo, Nickelodeon. I mean, we are having a little crisis with getting our youth involved in the NFL to have Nickelodeon do their own broadcast that's going to appeal to young kids. I mean, that's brilliant. That, that's kudos to the NFL. Great job there. We need to involve that generation more. Certainly. Okay. Yeah. The the extra playoff games are a lot of fun. I'm all for it. You know, but I also just don't know if I love it either. I'm a little concerned for the players. I, I am. I mean, again, you know, it's a tough, grueling season as is. Now it's an extra regular season game. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, with this current model that we're going to go into in the 2020 season, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, right, they would play two extra games this, this year. So they well, would have no, to play. No, no, no. No, timeout. The 17-game season doesn't start this year. I mean, eventually, sorry, I meant 21-21. Yes, 21. yes right. right. All right. Right. Yeah. So, but if you're yes. right. Eventually, the two-seed is going to have to play two more games than it currently played Ooh. on its way to the, to the Super Bowl if it gets to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I mean, 21 football games for grown men and the NFL where we know guys are bigger than faster than ever, that concerns me. And you've heard my concerns, too. I'm just worried about it being swayed to the number one seed that much more I'm worried about a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, let's just say with Patrick Mahomes, and they tie the number one seed, and they're 13-3, and three, but they lose some tiebreaker, and now they're the two seed, and they're playing a home wild card game. And, yeah, you, you, you ratch up the, the percentage chances of a guy like Patrick Mahomes getting a high ankle sprain or doing something like that, and then therefore favoring the number one seed even more to get to the Super Bowl. So those are my biggest concerns as a viewer and as a fan. I love it. It is going to be more football. And for the most part, I think that the seven seeds will be, you know, worthy football teams. Every now and then, though, Mike, I think we're going to get a team that's, you know, eight and eight. And we're going to look at it and go, damn, they have no right to be in the playoffs. But here they are. Did you say ratch up? I, I think, think you I said did. ratch up. I think yeah. I did. The, the NFL sent around some stats yesterday looking back over the last 30 years because it was in 1990 when the playoff field yeah. expanded to 12 teams. Since then, 73% plus of the extra teams 
that would have been added to the postseason field if there had been 14 would have had winning records. 25% right. would have had eight and eight records or 500 records because I guess, well, I guess now there's no way you're going to have a 500 record unless you're eight and eight because there's no one that's been seven and seven and two. Um, and then there's only been one team, one team out of what would have been an extra 60 playoff teams if there had been 14 since 1990 that would have had a losing record. So I don't think that's really a concern. There have been plenty of losing teams who win divisions. That's one of the problems with the current that's, configuration. Yes, You know, right. you've had seven and nine, seven, eight, and one, that the Seahawks beat the Saints, who were four or five games better 10 years ago in the wild card right. round because they got to play the game at home in Seattle against that that backdrop of the noise that that registers on the Richter scale. So That was the Beastquake um, yeah, game, right? That was, that was the Beastquake game where they, they actually felt it on a local Richter scale as an earthquake when he scored the touchdown that broke the game open and they had a losing record. So now it's one thing to get that game at home, but you're right. You start getting an eight and eight team on the road against a two seed. How good of a game is it going to be? And, and the problem is, and, and look, there's a balance and we've talked about this on one hand, you're making it a hell of a lot easier for the one seed to get to the Super Bowl. The two seed's going to be more banged up. The two seed plays an extra game. The one seed only has to win two to get there. Everybody else has to win three. That's going to make the playoffs themselves maybe a little less interesting, but it's going to make the Super Bowl better. We're more likely to have one seed versus one seed in the Super Bowl, which makes for a better okay. game. I keep going back to 1985. Oh, it was awesome when the Patriots upset the Dolphins. Take that, Dan Marino. And then two weeks later, it's the Patriots and the Bears in the Super Bowl instead of the Dolphins and the Bears, which we should have had in the Super Bowl. So we're going to have more of those best versus best in the Super Bowl. Well, that doesn't mean crap, though. I mean, who cares? I mean, the best versus the best played this year. I, I would have took Kansas City to beat the no, Ravens. didn't. I don't but, care. But the Ravens I were the one seed. To, I know, but it, we we saw one of the coolest endings to a Super Bowl we've ever seen because it, you know it, it added another team. This is, I mean, I, I understand. Like, I I get you. I, I know what you're saying. You're right. More times than it is, it's going to pit best versus best. But the best team is in isn't always the one seed. It just it's not to me. I understand their record might be be the best, but that's where I get a little worried. Like, if two teams are thirteen and three. And then that's that one team that loses the tiebreaker and becomes the number two seed. And maybe they had a bunch of players hurt during the year. And that's why they were 13 and three. When really we look at them and go, oh man, if Mahomes didn't get hurt in that game, they would have been 15 and one this year. Who knows? Maybe they could have got undefeated or whatever it may be, you know, but that that's where I just worry about it too. And I, I think the other point too, Mike, is we've seen here in recent history the teams with the buys are starting to figure this out, which scares me. We're seeing it yep. very swayed to the one and two seed getting to the Super Bowl every year. I think teams have figured out the formula as far as how to stay fresh, how to stay healthy, still stay, you know, all cylinders go, practicing and doing that. And, you know, uh, that's where I worry about this, too. It's just going to be two, two one-seated one favored, I guess, is what I'm worried about. One of the things I'm going to try to remember to do later this day, go back over the past, I don't know, however many years I feel like doing it, and and look at what the Super Bowl matchup would have been if it was one seed versus one seed. And objectively, does that feel to me like it would have been a better game? You know, 2018, Patriots-Saints. Would that have been a better game yes. than Patriots-Rams, right? Yes, it would have been. No doubt about it. I agree with you there. Yes, you're right. I, I, I got it here. But that would have been Kansas City versus 
New Orleans if you went one oh, seed versus right. one seed oh, that year, right. right? Yeah, yes. you, you got yeah. me there. That would have been so, a great game, too. It would have been a great game, too. I got it right here in front of me. Let's go do it. Let's do it. I got new. All right. So we then in 2017, right. we had New England, Philadelphia. Them, go. It was a great Super Bowl. We got that, right? 2017, right. we were there to witness that. So that was a great matchup. And then 2016, we would have had New England, Dallas, right? That was the year that Atlanta ended up going instead of Dallas, which would have been great on viewership too. But I know we got to go to commercials, so go ahead. Yeah, but but I agree with you. You know, j- just because a team's a one seed doesn't mean it's going to make for a great Super Bowl. But the reality is we're going to see more one seeds in the Super Bowl. And it could be that five years from now, guys like us will start saying, let's just go ahead and put 16 teams in the playoffs and force the one seed to play wildcard weekend. And, and be done with it because it's it's not fair to give the one seed the bye and make everyone else play. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, the draft is coming. It's just three weeks and one day away, and we're going to take a look at Chris's top five receiver draft prospects. You'll be surprised at who isn't on the list. More PFT Live right after this. Twenty-two days away, the 2020 NFL draft is arriving and plenty of great receivers in the draft chris sims ranking his top five and let's begin at the very top the guy for whom kyler murray had been pining in arizona may not be pining now that he has deandre hopkins cd lamb your top receiver why chris well i mean in a lot of ways he's like a deandre hopkins except he's better with the ball in his hands i mean cd lamb i think to me you know, to me, and, and you know, again, I think this is most people's evaluation. There's just not a whole lot of weakness to his football game. There's nothing I look at as a negative, Mike. You know, he's got incredible acceleration off the line of scrimmage. He's a good route runner with the ball in his hands. He's as slippery as it gets. He's probably the best in the draft with the ball in his hands. The first guy never makes a tackle. He can adjust to the ball, deep ball in the air, 50-50 balls. You know, he really can do it all, let alone he has that like weapon quality too, Mike, where you can run screens and speed sweeps and toss the ball to him. He is by far the best receiver with the ball in his hand in this draft. So I've said, he, you know, my comparison I kind of used to him because he's a tough comparison for a guy that's 6'2 and can move that way and everything. He's got a body like DeAndre Hopkins, but with the ball in his hand, he's like Jarvis Landry. He can really wiggle stick his foot in the ground, do things like that. And, yeah, for me, it was a slam dunk. I think it was pretty easy. Uh, he was the best receiver in the draft. Where do you come down on the whole bad Big 12 defenses issue with that? Because you've been outspoken in the past about it, especially sure. the likes of quarterbacks. Does it, does it apply to a C.D. Lamb as well? Do we get an, an unfair view of how good he is because of the quality of the defenses he was facing? If he's in the well, SEC, does he have the same impact? Well, definitely. There's Yes, I do think he'd have the same impact. There's, there's no doubt. I do. Now, do I think that, you know, the game is more wide open? Did that lead to more, you know, highlight level plays for C.D. Lamb? Yes, certainly. But he's been doing this against high level competition for the last three years. All right. That's the first thing. You know, you watch the final four against LSU. He has no problem getting open against those top tier corners they got, which they basically got, you know, two first rounders at some point playing corner there at LSU too. So no, I, I don't look at it necessarily like that. You know, if I saw other physical flaws with his game, right, where I went, ooh, he can't separate from people. He can't stick his foot in the ground to run routes. You know, if I saw that, uh, that would I go, ooh, then if he was playing in the SEC, he'd have issues because there is a better 
talent level on the defensive side, better defenses altogether. But I think this guy's a can't-miss prospect. And really, I would be shocked if he's not the number one uh, wide receiver off the board. There's just there's nothing not to like about him. Like I said, I don't think he has really any weakness about him. You'll see and hear the full explanation from Chris Sims and Paul Burmeister on the Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. Two through five, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, K.J. Hamler, T. Higgins. The name that is missing, and I think that's really the surprise, Chris, Jerry Judy from Alabama. Why does he not make your top five when so many others have him in their top two? You know, I like Jerry Judy. I do a lot. Uh, I really, I think he's going to have a long, successful NFL career. I just don't look at him as a top 20 pick. That's the biggest thing more than anything. Even a top 20, you know, borderline top 25 pick. He is a little bit of a product of the Alabama system. Let me just say this. He's a very good route runner, but he is not elite physically, right? He's not, he doesn't win 50-50 balls. He doesn't do a ton after the catch with the ball in his hands. He doesn't play with physicality that way. And when I'm talking about I'm going to take a receiver in the top 20, I, I need a guy that at some point you can just say, hey, I can line him outside. It doesn't matter who covers him. And he and I can depend on him to get catches and get open. Or if he's not open, he can use his size and go up and get the ball in 50-50 type situations. Those are things I don't see with Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, to me, is a guy that really needs a system. He needs to be in an offense that – you know, values route running and knows how to use him to get open. His route running is his number one thing. And that's, it's not a negative. I'm just saying, I don't think he's the raw physical talent to where I would look to take a guy like him in the top 20. No, I think he needs a little bit of a system to utilize uh, his talents. And, and for me, top receivers, they need to have a little bit of an element of like, oh, I can use them in any system and they can get open against anybody. And that, that's kind of just how I look at it that way. So uh, how many do you think are going to make it into the first round this year? There's talk about so, so much depth to this receiver yeah. class. Does that cause a land rush early, or does it cause teams to maybe sit and wait and get a value later? Well, I think it's going to be, and I'm not through all these positions as far as evaluating them yet, but it's going to be about the other positions too that dictate this, right, Mike? As you know, if there's a premium on, wow, there's only three first round graded defensive tackles, teams are going to want to get their hands on them, right? If there's only two or three linebackers that are first grade linebackers, you know, everybody's going to want first round linebackers. Everybody's going to get their hands on those guys. So that could end up pushing receivers down the line a little bit to where maybe teams just go, whoa, okay, hey, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of guys in this. You know, we'll wait to the second and third round, but we need that defensive tackle. We need that linebacker right now. So I don't I don't have a feel for all of that yet. That'd be a, I'll be able to better answer that, you know, in another week or two when I really kind of crack through the rest of these guys. But, you know, I think as it looks right now, it's the deepest class I've ever seen. And there's a guy for everything, Mike. Like if you need a jitterbug, oh, we got a jitterbug. Oh, you need a, a big guy who can win on the outside and just j jump up and and moss people and catch balls that way. Oh, there's plenty of those. Route runners, yep, we got those. Speed guys like Henry Ruggs or K.J. Hamler, who I have in my top five, I mean, they can fly. They're Tyree Kill, Hollywood Brown type of players. So there's a little bit of everything to be had in this draft. And I think that's why you see, like, when I look at other guys who are doing mock drafts and things like that right now, the receiver thing is all over the board because it is going to be a little bit about what you need. If you already have two burners on your team, 
you might look at a Jerry Judy and go, you know what? We need that route runner guy to complete our wide receiving core. And th- those are all the factors that are going to go into this, rece- this receiver class and how it unfolds. Last year, there were two first-round receivers. In 2015, there were six. That's the highest in the last half decade. And this is all going to be playing out under a very unusual and and hopefully unprecedented and never-to-be-repeated situation where there are no draft rooms per se. You're not in your facility. So things are going to happen, and I think that maybe once a certain position starts to see guys come off the board, that may coax some teams into into pouncing when they can. Yes. And then, Chris, the other thing we need to remember, there may be when the dust settles on the first night of the draft, a team that thought it was going to get a receiver and doesn't, and that's when Sammy Watkins ends up on the move from the Chiefs sure. to a new team for $14 million for one year and possibly an extension. Yes, you're exactly right. I think you could see those type of moves, but there, there's legitimately, you know, uh, the list is never ending. And I don't want to say 20 to 30 receivers who you say they can go all in, the, in the, the top four rounds of the draft. They really could. You know, I think that's where it's special. And yes, you know, to me a little bit, where is the NFL going to value some of these guys to what you're saying? You know, hey, look, you know, I know you don't need a great receiver. Like you don't need Julio Jones to win a Super Bowl. But you need good receivers to win the Super Bowl. I mean, there's or, or at least get there, whatever it may be. And I just look at, hey, the NFL passed on two guys last year in the first round, and they went to the second round. Tell me, what did Debo Samuel do for the 49ers? What did DK Metcalf Everything. do for the Seattle Seahawks? Right. What Everything. Did DK, DK Met, right. So I think some teams got to look at that and go, man, do we really want to let that guy slide by us and go to the second round? Then maybe we don't get him. I think those are things people are going to have to chew on a little bit, too. Sandwiched between their two, A.J. Brown, who had a great year for the Tennessee Titans. Exactly. And three great receivers right. after round one last year. All right, quick break. When we return, Jaguars pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe has a message for the team. Let's move on or move out. Let's move on or move out. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. The Jacksonville Jaguars have franchise tagged pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe and they are drawing interest from multiple teams, according to Mike Garofalo of NFL Media. But the Jaguars are waiting for the right return. That prompted Ngakwe to go to Twitter and say, let's agree to disagree. Why hold a man from taking care of his family? It's obvious my time is up in my current situation. Let's both move on at Jaguars with the checkered flag. Although the checkered flag's at the end. I guess he means it's the end of the relationship between the Jaguars and Ngakwe. Look, the bottom line is, the Jaguars played this game last year, and they got two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. Drag your feet, slow play it, wait, and ultimately you call the ball when the best offer comes in. Last year, Frank Clark netted a first-round pick and a second-round pick for the Seahawks when they traded him to the Chiefs. D. Ford got a second-round pick for the Chiefs when they traded him to the 49ers. So I just think it's a matter of time before somebody recognizes we're going to make the play for Yannick Ngakwe. Maybe it happens after the draft. Maybe it's after the first round, sometime during the draft. But I feel like it's going to happen. And since there's no offseason program, there's no urgency here to do anything, Chris. Um, I understand Yannick wants to know where he's going next. But, you know, I, I feel like the wheels are in motion for something to happen where the Jaguars do trade and move on from Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, when he's starting to... You know, he's, he's drawn a line in the sand, basically, to say he doesn't want to get, you know, he, he doesn't want to be there. So I, I don't know how else that could work. You know, I don't I know Doug Marone. I read some of his quotes yesterday. I think he's still holding out a, an outside shot that there could be some resolution here 
to where they can keep a Yannick Ngakwe. But I would think ultimately there's a huge market for Yannick Ngakwe. And like the Jaguars are saying, that there's teams interested. Of course there are. You know, he's, he's a commodity. He's a special commodity. He's a better pass rusher to this point of his career than D. Ford has been or Demarcus Lawrence with the Dallas Cowboys. So you might not say he's a good run defender as a Demarcus Lawrence, but certainly a good pass rusher. And, Mike, I think the other thing that's going to add, you know, value to Yannick Ngakwe here as far as the, the Jaguars trade is the, the draft, at, at least to where I'm at right now, it doesn't seem like it's real deep with, you know, those freaky defense ends that we look at to go, oh, there's going to be four or five in the top 40 who could be, you know, sack machines. I, I don't think it's this type of draft class. So that's going to add value to people wanting to get their hands on Yannick Ngakwe as well. Who do you think should be making the move and what do you think is fair? Is it the second round pick for Ford or is a one and a two for Clark or somewhere in between? Yeah, somewhere in between. You know, I, I think that's pretty fair. I don't. I, I would say it was probably sec, more than more than just a second round pick for D Ford. You know, Yannick Ngakwe doesn't have an injury history. D Ford had that. You know, so you had to have that little concern there either way. So you know, maybe if it's a team late in the first round, maybe they can get a late first rounder. But I think ultimately it'll be a second and some sort of and, and some change to go with it. Maybe a second and a third. You know, maybe a, a second and a third and maybe some other late round pick in next year's draft, something like that. Uh, I, I would see it because, again, I think it's going to be hard to ask teams for a first rounder when a guy has clearly stated he doesn't want to play on that football team. Yeah. And the second rounder that brought D Ford to the 49ers was a 2020 second rounder, not a 2019. Clark was a 2020 second rounder, 2019 first rounder that took him to the Chiefs. And look, I understand, again, why why Yannick Ngakwe is going to agitate for a trade. And really, the less a team has to give up to get him in trade, the more money they may be able to pay him. It's a sliding scale. How much do we give up to get the guy by way of draft picks? How much do we pay him? There's a point where it's too much, so you got to start taking either dollars or draft picks off the pile to get it to a point where the balance is just right. So from his perspective, the less someone gives up, he may cash in even more. And I think he will cash in with somebody and look everybody needs pass rushers even if you have one you need more you ideally want to have a rotation uh the question is do you have the money do you have the draft picks you're willing to part with and do you have the money and the cap space to make it happen chris there is so many teams that need a pass rusher right now uh that i just would have a hard time yeah and there's teams that yeah with that money that also have that need. But, you know, here, let me just name off some teams that, where you would go, oh, yeah, they, they could use that guy. I mean, first off, the Seattle Seahawks, he would fit that. He's played in that scheme. The Jaguars run the Seattle scheme. That makes sense. You know, the Miami Dolphins, you could get into the Bengals, the Houston Texans. Do they have a legit pass rusher right now? You know, the Jets, the Giants, they have nobody on their front that can come around the edge and be special that way. So the list goes on and on. Uh, as far as just teams that could use a guy like Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edge, he's special that way. He's got a great first step. He's explosive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, again, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, I could throw them in that, that mix there. There is a lot of teams with defensive end needs, difference makers coming off the edge. I'd like to see him in silver and black. They're still kind of finding their way. Sure, the Raiders, yes. Mack a couple right. years ago. All right. We gotta take a quick break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this.
just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.